fans. My name's Eric Morrow, Seattle Mariners baseball, everybody. Let's get started. That smile is back on Junior's face. Line drive, base hit to win it. Welcome to Casuals Corner, of the show by fans, for fans. Seattle Mariners baseball, of course. My name's Eric Morrow. I want to say hello to my uh, co-host, Tyler Matsumoto. How are you today, Tyler? I'm doing great, my friend. The winter meetings are a little bit later this week. The Mariners have a ton of building to do when it comes. And I'm absolutely pumped to talk about what we see coming. And I think you might have some big news for us, Eric. Yeah, I, you know, of course, we have Indy, our producer, and, and you've been so helpful. But we wanted to introduce to everybody, folks, our new co-host, Robert Griffin. Put your hands together for him. How are you, Robert? Let's go, baby. We are in here. I am blessed to be a part of Casual's Corner. I'm looking forward to the journey of talking Mariners baseball. I don't know if I'm more excited to be officially a part of this team or if I'm more excited that we're finally at winter meetings and we get to build towards the 2024 season and get over that hump. Glad to have you on board. You know, it, it was... Uh... And I, I told the guys this about this earlier, too. It was about two weeks that I really just thought about it because adding another piece, you know, is is a step or it's different. Um, and by the time I had explained to the guys that I wanted to bring Robert onto the show, they were already like, yeah, done. No problem. This guy's cool. This guy's fun. So welcome to the show, Robert. And again, I'm just so happy to be here. Shout out to the whole Bleacher community of Mariner fans. This is a week that we've been waiting for ever since the series with the Rangers wrapped up. And again, now it's time to put all the bickering aside and build towards this 2024 season. Ooh, put all the bickering aside. Um, you're right. We've got to see what these winter meetings are going to say. I've been disturbed with the... Uh, with just the direction the team has been going financially with putting a quality product on the field and doing what it takes to put us a, a real quality product on the field. Um, Tyler, how are you feeling about the team? I'm feeling really good where we're at right now, but that's under the assumption that bigger moves are right around the corner. If if the team stands pat and we're looking at the roster right now on December 3rd, then I will be extremely disappointed if that's the guys we roll into the season with, we go into spring training with. But I truly believe that there's a bunch of big moves right around the corner. We can get into our Christmas wish lists of who we want on this team, who we think we can acquire. But man, I'm just really excited because I do not believe at all that we're going into the season with a $100 million payroll. Robert, what do you got to say about this team going forward right now? 
to copy my man Great Takes Only, what a time to be a Mariner fan. And it's all right in front of us, really. We know that we have to make some changes in order to be able to keep up with our competition. We know that change is coming to the not only the American League, but the National League. Um, there's the elephant in the room, and once that domino falls, the rest of this is going to fall into place. I I gotta have faith in my in my general manager, my president of baseball operations. Um, we gotta trust that they're going to do what they can to put a solid program out there for us together. And I, for, for one, can't wait to get to spring training. Let's see some of these guys in action. We've already got some new pieces that we've added, and let's press forward with what we have and. You know, we got guys who were running up to driveline to get better at their skills, and we've seen what it's done for our shortstop. Hopefully the rest of our infield can keep up. That's, man, what an exciting time to be a Mariner fan. We've been waiting for this for a couple months and a couple weeks now, and let's see what old Trader Jerry can do. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the uh... – it's not really fair to make an assessment of the team right now because it's – just so early in the process that one acquires talent in the off season. Obviously, they're going to replace T. Oscar somehow. I'm not as confident with the with the ownership as, as you are, but I do think we need to be fair to the team and allow them to fill out the roster uh, in the way they see fit. Um, I'm not quite as, you know. I was expecting them to spend more money, uh, to be honest with you. We'll see if these reports are true. But just for once in your goddamn life, won't you go for it when the best player on earth is available? Wouldn't you just do that one time for us, for us fans? Um, and who knows, Otani might just total be a bust um but to not even go into the discussions we don't know if that's true or not but robert i i kind of feel like if we're seeing um reports come out that they're probably true what do you say i believe that there's no such thing as a secret anymore and if we were in another industry where the right hand is telling us something and we know the left hand is making moves, I, I'd have a little less faith. But a lot of these guys are petrified snitches. So we already know that some of the reports that are coming out, somebody has some insider information, someone's already leaked something. Um, we are all well aware that the Mariners saw that Otani was getting $500 million offers already and just the thought of them trying to compete with that just it's a wrap it's a wrap and maybe we wake up here in a couple of days and we all get the alert and then we can all go outside screaming that it turned out not to be true um but i also do think that we need to set what it is that we're going to try to do with him and if it's unrealistic we need to then move on to other pieces we don't want to be caught the week before prom without a date 
because we had our eye on one girl and we didn't approach her. And by the time we approached her, she was already going with somebody else. And there was nothing but the booger wolf available when we were ready to go look for a new date. <laughs> Shit, nay, nay. <laughs> Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and I think we all know how you feel there, too, Robert. Well, so we're talking about that we know that we're in the beginning of winter meetings and that some teams have already approached Atani. Apparently, we've gotten word of some of the offers that have come his way, and we know that we can't compete with that. But like you were alluding to earlier, you, you don't know unless you ask. You don't know unless you ask. You may think that the pretty girl of your school is out of your league, but she may have your eye, her eye on you. And you'll never know until you actually approach her and say something. And the worst that they can say is no. And if it's a no that we're going to get, then that allows us to move on to looking for other pieces and not just putting all of our eggs in the Otani basket. Is he a great player? Absolutely. Is he a record-breaking player? Absolutely. Is he going to go down as one of the best? Time will tell. But we don't need to just be sitting out there wishing on a star, chasing only one, and let the rest of the league pass us by. I kind of feel that we did that last offseason in our inability to pull the trigger on certain things, regardless what scared management away from them or not, and who knows? Uh, we're not a fly on the wall in the room. But what I definitely would like to see is if we know we're not going after him, do they have a plan a, B? Do they have a plan C? And are we going to just resort to bargain shopping or are we going to actually make a play to get someone who can come in and impactfully help these young groups of kids, this young group of kids who have taken us on this magical ride over the last three seasons? Yeah, yeah. You can't argue with that. Um, I I think that the team, I'm disappointed that, Tyler, you know how I feel. Um, I'm disappointed. It seems like the team is cheaping out. Am I wrong? I know that I can't really say that before Otani and Yamamoto is gone and and whoever else is, is worth having. I'm not convinced that Bellinger is worth a million, you know, a just outstanding contract. Um, can't we just once, one, one time, go for it here in Seattle? Couldn't we, Tyler? Is is that too much for me to ask? That we, for once we compete with LA, that w for once we step up with the money that. Uh, that somebody else has. We're not poor. Well, here's the thing, fellas, is you might go and ask out the pretty lady you're crushing on, and she might shut you down. But that does not mean there aren't tons of other pretty ladies with great personalities that you can vibe with, that you can go out with, that you can date, and everything can be wonderful again. I kind of think Robert's on the right track. Eric, you know, and especially as a Northwest Japanese American, 
baseball player. I consider myself a second baseman at heart. How much I want Otani, but that might not be a realistic, but there's tons of other fish in the sea that would be wonderful to date long-term or short-term. And maybe it's not in the cards. Part of the reason is we know the Mariners have more than one hole to fill. And... It might be better for us to spread out our resources in multiple directions than just this one unicorn. You know I've talked about it a couple of times. A few episodes, I dove deep into Mariner's economics. And as this team stands right now, we are about $60 million lower of a payroll than we were way back in 2018. I told you guys I did the inflation math. So say in 2018, we spent $162 million. In 2024, that money all of a sudden is technically $190 plus million. So the spending should be there, whether ownership wants to be cheap or wants to reward the players, the baseball staff, and the fans. That's another question, but I think there's a lot of trades and a lot of free agents we can go after that would be a wonderful partner to go to the dance with, fellas. And we could be perfectly happy. We could be World Series contenders. Take it away, Robert. We got some breaking news coming here across our phones right now. And let's pull this up and get it accurate. The Braves in agreement with the Mariners on deal to acquire Jerry Kelnick, Marcos Gonzalez, and Evan White for two pitchers. Wow. Wow. That's breaking news. So go ahead with... In exchange for right-handers Cole Phillips and Jackson Kowar, sources tell ESPN, reported by Jeff Passan from ESPN 10 minutes ago. So who'd we get? Cole Phillips and Jackson Kowar. Um, and he's, and he's going to get on that. So we got breaking news right here in the middle of the show um, with with uh, a Mariners trade of some sort here. Jared Kelnick is no longer a Seattle Mariner. Who else was involved, Robert? Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. Marco Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. And, and Andy's working on who those players are coming back, so we're interested in hearing that. You know, I mean, here's the deal, guys. You know, I'm, I'm dying to get in on this conversation here. And and what I'm telling you is baseball's not like dating a, a very pretty girl because you're trying to win a championship in baseball. You've got to have the personnel to get that done. I agree. Is it risky to put all that money on one player? I agree it is, but... Uh, I think for once we could go for it. Once in a lifetime opportunity. Here it is, Seattle, and you're gonna choke. Uh, Andy, have you got anything to tell us on those folks, those players we've acquired? Yes, Cole Phillips is the was was the seventh ranked prospect in the the Braves farm system. He is uh, positions. He is the right-handed pitcher, is all it says. 
He is expected to be brought up to the big leagues in 2027. He is 20 years old. Jackson Kohar is 27 years old, has been in the big, he has three years of big league experience, but only 74 innings pitched with a career 9.12 ERA. So we traded for pitching. Can I get a huge timeout here, guys? Because I'm the one that was on this show vehemently saying no one on God's green earth would trade for Marco Gonzalez and his $12 million salary for this upcoming season. And I instantly was like, Andy, I'm typing in, I'm typing in. Jackson Kobar had a negative .6 war this year as a pitcher. That's kind of startling. I... I'm I'm gonna get bullish here, guys. We're we're moving money to spend on somebody. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say from when I'm coming across here. Um, and I don't want to give the reporter his proper due. Um, John Heyman says at the bottom of his post about the trade is that the Mariners are shedding more salary in this trade, presumably loading up to add a big stick or two. So some more money off the books. And I'm one of those Mariner fans who I was ready to move on from Jerry Kelnick a year and a half ago and not sold on what he could become because what he currently is, is a cancer to our roster. And I, then I'll be the, I'll, I'll stand on that business and I'll say it right here on the show. I'm not a fan of Jerry Kel- Jerry Kelnick, and I'm not a fan of what we've invested in him. I think it's it was been time to move on from him. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't argue with that 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 wasn't the right decision. Just so many of us hoped he would turn it around because we've seen young men make mistakes in the past and uh, try to get their careers turned around. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we won't have to worry about him becoming a a great hitter, um, Robert, and I'm sorry to interrupt you there. It's okay. When we're trying to cover this breaking news and be up to be up to speed with it, and I looked, had just happened to look down and see the alert coming across the screen here, and figured it was something that we should bring up. Man, I th- I would think, don't you think, Tyler? It's pretty important news. Thanks for breaking it. That's awesome. I mean, let's be real. We've never had breaking news while we've been recording an episode for this wonderful podcast so far. And so we can throw a couple notes out and just talk about this. I wrote down a crazy amount of stats because there was an SI.com trade proposal that came out on their website a few days ago, and their proposal was Kellenic, Bryce Miller, and Ty Pete for Juan Soto. And the pushback on social media shocked me because, in my opinion, I would make that trade in the blink of an eye and not even think about it. I would go to sleep comfy with my wife and doggies just loving life. And the pushback from fans was, well, Jared Kelenic has so much potential. Well, check this out. I looked it up, guys. Juan Soto is only 15 months older than Jared Kelenic. And think about what he's done at the major league level. 
So I don't want to hear about that. It is kind of startling, but now my juices are flowing and I'm excited. Take the floor, whoever wants to take it right here. All right. So I'm just checking the pulse of our Bleacher Report community, which is kind of where our relationships all began together. And as you can imagine, the powder keg is blowing up. Um, we have shout out to True Legend. 526, who's saying, I'm waiting for the M's to sign this year's Sean Figgins, Colton Wong. Let's also waste Julio's entire career. Um, we have another post saying, here we go with another years of we're a few, here we go with another season of we're a few years away. Uh, my favorite is when we talk about 54%. So shout out to Ben Doff, who's saying, I need clarity. Are we now looking at 52%? <laughs> or, uh, or a shout out to C Town Rep Jacob, who's saying, I guess Tampa Bay wanted Cole Phillips. So to me, this is obvious a move that is setting up another move. Um, RBJ15 says, What this looks like to him is Soto left field, a Rosa Reina right field, Otani DH, and it seems like we can afford it now. Um, you know, then, then a couple people who were, <laughs> who, who were loyal to Kelnick, and I, and I get it. Um, doesn't matter what we think about Jerry Kelnick at this point. Uh, he is gone. He's moved on. He didn't achieve his success with us. Lord knows he had enough chances. Um, he's gone. We've got two pitchers we're not that happy with. We've dumped some salary, though. Tyler, can you help me there? Uh, let's mark this trade and why it's valued as it's valued. We've got J.K. who hasn't performed. We've got Marco Gonzalez who's coming back from an injury, an innings eater, but a four ERA guy or maybe four and a half. And Evan White, the guy who was this spectacular defensive first baseman we were, we were hoping for, he and Kyle Lewis, unfortunately, careers have been derailed by injury. I am not sure on Evan White's condition. I hope it's better than uh, Kalu's uh, because Kalu would have been a great player. Is that what we're doing, Tyler? And I apologize. We're shedding salary here, right? Just like with Gino. I mean, four or five million is, is what we want. Well, here's the thing. I'm looking at trading Marco. I'm looking at trading Gino. Between the two on this upcoming season's uh, payroll budget that's 23 million dollars that are now free to spend in other areas you know eric that i've laughed at people on social media saying we need to trade marco gonzalez well who's going to take his contract i look back when we traded robinson cano and we had to put edwin diaz in the deal you we had to put a guy like that in the deal so the other team would take the contract the same with Jared Kelenic God bless Evan White I wish him the best but realistically we can't expect anything out of him because of injuries at this point but I'm getting excited and here's one thing guys um, I was just looking up this Cole Phillips he had Tommy John surgery 
a couple of years ago. So that's kind of why he's been available. But he was a high schooler out of the state of Texas who routinely hit 100 miles per hour plus with his fastball. And his major league comp just led and pitched and killed it for his World Series winning team, and his comp is Nathan Yavaldi. So there's a lot to like, even though I'm sure this Cole Phillips has a long way to go, but I'm pumped because you know I think we're two or three bats away from being serious, serious contenders. We had some contract restrictions within a realistic Mariners budget that might have prohibited us from making those great moves. But go ahead, Robert. I mean, maybe someone can talk me off and I'm not even looking at social media right now. This is me looking at scouting reports and stats right as you broke the news to us, buddy. And I'm pumped. Now, if they do nothing, I'll be pissed. But right now, I'm pumped. Right. Well, I actually have a quote from everybody's favorite homeboy, good old Jerry. And the statement that he made, I'm, I'm behind this one. And, of course, I lost it. But here we go. He says, as we continue to work through this offseason with the goal of improving our team for 2024 and beyond, we believe the additions of Jackson Coar and Cole Phillips, as well as the roster and payroll flexibility created tonight, will move us closer to that goal. I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, wish upon a star here. And for me, the way that that sounds is, I need some money to try to play with because there are some people in here who want to play ball with us in these winter meetings. And he's created, we, we've gotten, we've gotten, um, what's my homeboy third base? We've gotten Gino off the books. We've gotten, we didn't resign to Oscar. We've gotten Marcos's contract off the books. We've gotten rid of Kelly. We've made some room to be able to go out and do some moves. Now, let's see what happens when the sun comes up tomorrow over the next. And now, now is the time. Now is the time. If not now, then when? And if us, and if not who? And if, us, if, if not now, then when? And if not us, then who? But we've these moves has put us in position to do this. Go ahead, Mister Eric. Mm-hmm. No, um, ladies and gentlemen, you are at the point where the winter meetings have technically started this evening. Folks are arriving. Uh, to do their thing in Nashville, Tennessee. Did you know that, Andy? No, I did not. Yeah, the uh, MLB winter meetings in Nashville, Tennessee. Kind of, I think this is an arriving day tomorrow. Definitely, guys, is when we're going to see some action. Um, The day after, I don't think it's a long time. Um, I hope you're right. I mean, that's what I said. It is not fair to judge the team at this point. You kind of just feel dumb for holding out hope so long, though. I mean, you're holding out hope for some of the players that you really, really want and would be a perfect fit for this team. You're holding out hope uh, of getting those players, and and it hasn't happened. All you've seen are, are cheap moves and shedding salary. And the team hasn't been really 
Robert, in that explanation, that was just a bunch of hodgepodge, wasn't it? Uh, forgive me, but it's just a bunch around the circle, right, buddy? This is one of those scenes we're going to have to wait out and see. I have, if it's really them putting us in position to sit down at the table and have some legit money to play with to offer to get us some veteran bats and put us in a position to try to come out here and compete with Houston and Texas, then I'm all for it. Um, but you know the old saying, talk ain't nothing but shit. So we'll have to see exactly what it is that we position ourselves to do and how the next few days go. But it does look like we are trying to get ourselves into position to go after the players that we need to add to this young core to keep us in the race in the AL West. Give me, give me uh, two names they're going up for real quick. How about this for you, Mariner Nation? Isak Perez and Randy Arozarena. Okay, okay. Um, tell me about the first guy. I know about Arozarena. Uh, if I may, Arozarena is the guy who risked his life to go from Cuba to Mexico, establish residency, and from there he was able to get into the MLB. Is it? it can somebody uh, assure me that information is correct? Well, the one thing I will say that I wrote down is a Rosarina, 28-year-old corner outfielder, 254. He's a speed power combo with 23 homers, 20, 22 stolen bases. And he had a really, really good 120 OPS plus with a pretty solid 1.95 K to walk ratio. And we know he was a spark plug a baller, and a team leader in the World Baseball Classic. Who's a comp for him, Robert? He's a big guy, right? He's a big guy. Reminds me of, and sometimes I'm bad. You know what I would say, Eric? The guy in Houston. I would say he he's a fast tail. He's a fast tail that doesn't strike out okay. as much. Okay. That's We need a... We need guys that can scald the ball. Um, but we don't have those players yet. That's all speculation. One second, that. Well, let me let me tease you with some stats on Isak Paredes. Uh, Isak Paredes is 25. Yeah, uh, third baseman. He is 25. Uh, actually, he says here he can play third, second, or first. Uh, bats right, throws right. 5'11", 213 currently with the Tampa Bay Rays. This year with Tampa, he had a war of 4.2, hit 31 home runs and 492 at-bats with 123 hits, batting average of 250, 95 RBIs, uh, with an OPS of 131. And that's even better than the Rosarena's was based upon the stats that Tyler gave. He's 25 years old. Um, His season projections this year are... 26 home runs, batting average of 240. The thing that I like about it the most is he's only projected to strike out 95 times. We definitely need to build on these guys who we're looking to put in these situations to be better than that. Well, I don't know if we can call it better than the average, but 
compared to what we had with Gino and Teo, we definitely can't have two guys with 200 strikeouts in the middle of the lineup. That killed us time and time and time again. Yeah, we take slightly below average is way better than what we had. We don't want to be the top of the, the strikeout list. Um, Tyler, you give me two names. I mean, the, so that trade was with the Rays, right? That, those were two names you gave me with the Rays. And the, the reason I bring it up is the beauty of trading with the Rays is you know their guys aren't going to cost a lot of money. You know, so we haven't spent that money that uh, there is a there is a theory that uh, that we're saving money, which is a theory I've had for years uh, that happens to coincide with what these these fine baseball gentlemen are suggesting. I kind of lost hope, but we've cleared the books, Tyler. What's going on? Give me a couple names. I will give you the two names you're asking for, Eric, but I want to piggyback on Robert really quick. I saw somebody on social media who must not have done their homework or had too much to drink tonight say that Isak Paridas is we don't want the next Colton Wong. This dude is the opposite of the next Colton Wong. He is seven years younger. He has power. He has pop. So Mariners fans, if you're saying you don't want the next Wong, this guy is not that dude. He's a million times better and seven years younger. So Eric, I'm, I'm again on my train again. And it's partly it's because I believe in it so much. The two guys I really, really, really want is Juan Soto and Jorge Soler. I can go way deep into the weeds on this one about how much better Soto is than Kellenic, but that's probably obvious unless you're one of those fans blinded by your love for JK. But Soto's 15 months younger, and let's just make it simple, guys. SI.com said J.K. Miller and Ty Pete. Well, we can throw in a couple other guys to equal J.K. because he's not the commodity that he was four years ago when we traded for him. But let's make it really simple. Juan Soto, when it comes to the history of hitting in Major League Baseball, since 1945, only five players have had a higher OPS plus through age 24 than Juan Soto. The four guys below Juan Soto, who was at a 157 OPS plus through age 24. The four guys below him are Eddie Matthews, Willie Mays, King Griffey Jr., and Reggie freaking Jackson. I mean, that's how damn good Soto is. He's literally a legendary hitter considering his age. And then I'll go really quickly to Jorge Soler, fellas. I really want a guy that's been there, done that. Well, how much more can you do, been there, done that, when you've been the doggone World Series MVP? He's a corner outfielder, DH type of player. He's projected to have a much lower contract than Teo with way less strikeouts. It's probably because he's 
honestly kind of poor in the field, so you want him at DH. A career 113 OPS plus, 170 home runs in his career. Last year, he destroyed the ball with 36 bombs, 24 doubles, 128 OPS plus. And last season, he had 73 less strikeouts than our favorite Gino Suarez. So I'm all in and bullish on these two. I'm obviously, you could probably hear it in my voice. This trade we made with the Braves might not sound like much, but I'm going to be a believer. And trust me, in two months, if the Mariners don't do anything, I'm going to blast the living daylights out of this organization. But to me, it signals that there's big things behind the scenes. Do you have any comments behind my upbeat attitude right now, Robert? Here's my thing with Soto. Do we really trust Scott Boris? If there's a man in life that's about his paper and about his paper for his clients, it's Scott Boris. Do we go in? What I see his estimated base salary is $27 million. Do we really go in with trying to go after Soto? knowing that this is going to be, at best, a one-year rental, which our GM and our front office have stayed away from. But if you're talking about a guy who comes in and adds impact to the offense immediately, you just told me that Scott Boris is in a category (laughs) with Reggie Jackson, King Griffey Jr., <laughs> so you're you're telling me that the juice with him is definitely worth the squeeze. That's the way that I hear it. But again, I know that they're not excited about a one year rental with Soto, but other than the elephant in the room, is there really a guy that could come in and move the needle like that that's available right now? We need to pick up the phone and make the call. The worst he can say is no. And if we decide to not spend the money, then we decide to not spend the money. But it's at least worth it to see what it would take to get him, to see if we can maybe work a deal, to, to see if we can get Boris to act outside of his normal dealings. But we 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 have to make some type of move like you that. Know, you know, Even if we pick up the phone and say no. You never know. You might get him on the team and him and Julio become, or are already fan, friends, and they kind of want to play baseball together for a long time. You're talking about young men here. Same thing with Yamamoto, 25 years old. Isn't that correct? Could we put... Well, he is from the Dominican, and isn't Julio from the Dominican? Yes, and I believe that them to be friends. I... Yeah, and that brotherhood is, I mean, that's why I think that him and Teo clicked the way that they did, because they have that brotherhood. And, you know, I don't want to get, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into the woods with that to make somebody feel uncomfortable. But when, when you have that type of respect for each other, just on a level that's beyond we're on the same team, there's a, how do I, how do I want to say it? a cognitive dissonance that comes along with being 
that that relationship is very esoteric. That, that I think I'll say it that way. That that relationship is very esoteric, and it, it's one that money can't buy. And it's two guys from the same neighborhood who are going to push each other to try to be the best that they can. And again, it's it's worth the call. Yeah, it's worth the call. Do it, Mariners. You promised you you promised us you'd do it. Just do it. Um, we don't have Kellenick to, to dangle out there anymore, but it would be great to get Soto. I assume that's who we're still talking about here. Um, Yamamoto, um, what's our chance of getting this guy? Are we just, am I just dreaming or, you know, cause I'll take two guys. <clears throat> These guys are young. Soto's young. Yamamoto's young. They're very good at their position. Could you imagine Julio hitting in front of Soto? They're going to have to throw him some pitches. That's why your lineup has to be, it has to be more than one star. It has to be two to three star players um, who will have multiple all-star appearances throughout their careers. Um you know, the guys that make two or three, four all-star games in 10 years, something like that. We need some more oomph. You need to scald. And I'm not against the Jorge Soler. I mean, we all saw what he did in the World Series for the Braves against the Astros. One of my favorite, you know, I, I, I like the moments. I, I, I like the moments. And during game seven, he steps in the box. They throw him the pitch. He crushes it. And shout out to the people at Fox for capturing this. Instead of the shot where we see the ball going out of the field, they keep the center field camera on. And as soon as he knows it's gone, you see Soler turning the dugout. And he's saying, this is ours. This is ours. This is ours. And then they show the ball going out. And the Braves dugout is just going nuts. Imagine what that would look like with that trident yeah yeah we need we need more bats we really need someone like a soto and a solaire right tyler um i mean to really if otani signs with the dodgers are we ever gonna get a, a ring well you said it and that's why i've been so high on my train of a guy that okay Let's, let's address the elephant in the room. We know that a Scott Boris client is going to free agency. That's just how it is. But if you're telling me that the trade value, so Kellenick's traded, that's fine. The Mariners can easily make up Kellenick's value in a couple of prospects. So you're telling me Kellenick, Miller, and Ty Pete is what a guy that's in the know, a guy that talks to these GMs and scouts is saying is a realistic possibility for Soto, you do it immediately, even if it's just for one season. My goodness, if you're telling me that it's going to take Kirby, it's going to take Gilbert and a couple prospects, no. But I am all in if it's a, a reasonable trade price and if it's for one year that really stinks you'll get the compensatory pick at the end of the first round just like we got for a much lesser player when Mitch Haniger left to the San Francisco Giants this past offseason but 
I, I'm getting crazy, guys. I'm getting long-winded, but Soto's Batman, Soler is Robin, and if Robin's a World Series MVP hitting bombs in the last game, then golly, I am all in for that. Add him to Julio, JP, like our friend Robert was saying. We got Ty going to driveline with JP now. If he can make half the improvement that JP made, it'll be unbelievable for this ball club. So let's see where this goes, but I do not believe for one second we're sitting on our hands making these trades. There, There's big moves coming. We can see Landaho fellas as the Seattle Mariners fan base. Take it, Robert. There's even Braves fans right now that are commenting on it that saying that this sets us up perfectly to make an actual push out of Tani or Soto. There are Braves fans who believe that right now. So the the momentum is there. The the iron the iron is heating up. Now unfortunately we are gonna have to wait until we reconvene next week to see what this looks like when the dust settles. But for it being Sunday night. And us getting ready to get into the thick of this winter meetings and the fact that we are positioning ourselves to have dough to spend, a move has to happen. You you can feel it burning. A move has to happen. So let's just see what we can go and get. And I just want to give a shout out to our producer, Andy, real quick. You the man, bro. I see you, baby. You the man. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's, there's plenty of... Uh... Um, there's plenty of trade opportunities out there. We've talked about St. Louis. We've talked about San Diego. We've talked about, you know, I read, read some articles today, even Detroit. There's several trade possibilities. We don't know what will happen, but, uh, we hope it's something great. Uh, and it's just weird to get through reports that we're out on Atani and that we don't care. Um, you know, maybe Otani said, I'll let you match the last offer. And if you'll do it, I'll sign with you. So, um, there's, there's still hope folks. There's still emotion. There's still clinging to hope of that. And it doesn't have to be Otani, but if it's not Otani, it's going to be a serious player like a Soto or a Yamamoto or perhaps two of those. Come on, let's let's improve the team. Uh, any any last uh, thoughts there, Robert? <clears throat> I'm just gonna go on ahead and say that my debut as an official member of the Casual Corners team has been an eventful one already, and God is just rewarding us for creating this uh, mastermind syndicate with giving us some breaking news to talk about, and knowing that by the next time we reconvene, oh man, we might be in position. Manor Nation, we might be in position. Let's go, baby. Might have to, yeah, let's go. Uh, might have to be an emergency pod, uh, uh, Tyler. Um, anyhow, um, Tyler, your thoughts on on any last? I hope you pull this out of the out of the. Uh, <laughs> I hope you edit this out, um, Tyler. Any last thoughts for us tonight on the Mariners front? We just have to be patient, don't we? Well, I just wanted to say how fun it was. And 
I don't like to be bothered at work, so I turn almost all my notifications off on my cell phone. So it was totally awesome that Robert looks down and is like, guys, I, I think something big just happened. And I have all these notes, all these stats, and I am beyond elated to throw them out the window when something like this happens while we're recording, while we're talking. Let, let's just hope that something big's around the corner. And I feel there is. I, I'm going to be either unbelievably happy. You guys can tell. We're, we're now looking at each other on the video. I can't even stop shaking my legs and moving around. I am so excited. But guess what? Mariners ownership, Mr. Stanton, Jerry DePoto, all of the staff, you guys need to come through for the team, for the fans, for the region, and all of Mariners Nation. You guys have set us up, and as pumped as I am right now, you guys could let me down even harder, so please, please, don't be the lady that leads us on to nothing. Take it away, Robert. The same thing that makes you laugh can also make you cry. Yeah, so... um. I guess that brings us into uh, a really fun, fun thing we've thought up here lately. Uh, Cameron, we are waiting to do navigating the numbers again whenever you can, buddy. But uh, Tyler, we're, let's talk about Tyler's topic. Take it away, buddy. Well, we transformed Tyler's topic a little bit that to fit the off season because that was supposed to be more for in season. And for now it's, you gotta love these guys. And if you're a Mariners fan, you love this team because we've been through so many lows, but today's you gotta love. This guy is Mike freaking Cameron. He had the most unenviable task I could imagine in pro sports. He was part of the Ken Griffey Jr. trade, and he was the one that was supposed to replace him in center field. Early in his tenure as a Mariner, he robbed a home run, climbing the wall like Spider-Man, and Dave Niehaus so eloquently said, dare I say that's a Griffey-esque catch, and yes it was, Dave. He was only a four-year Mariner, but he was a critical player in the 116-win season. He went to the All-Star once as a Mariner, won two gloves with the M's. He had good power, great speed, excellent fielder, beloved teammate. He hit 256 with 87 bombs, 115 doubles, 19 triples, 106 stolen bases, and an 18.4 war in four seasons. What a stud. He remains a part of the Mariners organization as a special assignment coach. Much of his work is helping our young outfielders in the minors and the majors improve on their outfield defense. Mike Cameron, you took on an impossible task and you crushed it with grace, with class, with speed, with style. Thank you. We got to love you, Mike Cameron. Anyone have anything to piggyback there? May 2nd, 2002, Mike Cameron becomes the 15th player in Major League Baseball history to hit four home runs in one game. And I also believe that at the same, in that game, him and uh, Mr. Steroids, Brett Boone, hit two home runs each in the same one inning, something that's very rarely seen. Um, and also in that game, 
he hit his fifth and his fifth at bat. He hit one to the warning track and just barely missed being the first player to hit five home runs in a single game. You talk about him coming in and replacing Griffey, and there's nothing harder to do in sports than replace a legend. We've seen, you know, I know it's football, but we've seen Steve Young age himself trying to take over after they gave him the reins when Montana left. And if there's one thing that I loved about Mike Cameron, he came in and he provided what we needed. He he would never be looked at in history as the same type of player that Griffey was looked at, but he definitely came in and did his job. And and he and also in 2003, 2003, he led all major league center fielders in what they call range factor with the three point with the three point four two. If anyone wants to chime in and drop what range factor is to our listeners, I'm sure they would love to know. I have no idea what it is. All right. Well, I'll take the reins here. Uh, Range factor, commonly abbreviated RF, is a baseball statistic developed by Bill James, and we all love Bill James for his contributions to the sport. It is calculated by dividing putouts and assists by the number of innings of games played at a given defensive position. So we'll just we'll we'll give you the short version of it, and you can go do your homework yeah. out there. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what this is saying is that this guy came in baseball and for dummies. Remember, <laughs> this guy came in and performed, and we didn't miss a beat with letting Griffey go, and was actually able to replace it with someone who could come in and contribute to what the team needed. And, you know, I'm an old school Mariner fan. I know that some of you may not have been around back then, but that was during the magical time where we are competing for ALCS championships and we just couldn't get over the hump of the Yankees, but we took it to them twice. And the very next year, we still win 90, 90 some odd games. It just so happened that the baseball gods were going to reward the Angels with the World Series that year. But we didn't lose in, We didn't lose a step with Mike Cameron. And if we can make that type of play during this season where we're on the cusp and turn it into a Juan Soto or Randy Rosarena, it doesn't have to be Otani. It doesn't necessarily have to be Otani. If it is Otani, am I mad at it? Hell no. I'll take I'll take Agent Babe Ruth all day. But the time is here. The time is here. And what a great segment to go into to bring up one of the one of the most unsung heroes of that. 2000 to 2003 era is Mike Cameron. Yeah, so you're looking at a guy who's still involved with the teams. Can somebody give me a quick answer on that? Isn't Mike Cameron still involved with the team teaching, uh, coaching outfield? Exactly. Special assignment coach and his main focus is improving outfield D. That's why if you're able to watch the broadcasts on TV, you'll hear him pop into the announcing booth a couple few times a year. And that's because he's always around the ball club where you'll always see him is probably down in Arizona spring training. And then he's wherever is necessary at that point. After being selected to the American league all-star team in 2001, Cameron used his salary bonus to purchase all-star team warm-up jackets for all of his Seattle Mariner teammates. I mean, a guy that 
is big on clubhouse culture. And I know that we're going to lose a little bit of that with Gino in this next season, but a guy that was big on clubhouse clubhouse culture talks about his work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and being involved in the city and came back to Seattle April 12th of 2012, signed a one-day contract so he could actually retire as a Mariner. So Mike Cameron, man, that's the, the definition of what it is that we're looking for that can help this team get over the hump. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you got to love these guys. Thank you, Tyler. Anything more to add on that? I'm sorry I didn't take that over. No. Um, you kind of know I get really emphatic and enthusiastic about talking about these Mariners greats, but I feel it's important for us to pay homage. And for any listeners out there, you might notice I'm not necessarily going to the super superstars. This is more of my way to pay tribute to the great players that might not have been your junior Edgar or Randy, so to speak. Yeah, thank you so much. Mariners fans, you're just going to have to wait on a casuals corner uh, by fans, for fans, Seattle Mariners baseball winter meetings start tonight. Technically, tomorrow morning is when things are going to really heat up. We have a trade already. Uh, Jared Kelnick has been traded. Marco Gonzalez. Yes, Marco Gonzalez has been traded, the guy that nobody would want. Um, uh, was there another guy traded, too? Did we did we lose a third? Evan White. Evan White. Thank Evan you, sir. White. Uh, Evan White. Uh, a heartbreak story there with injuries. Uh, we've got a couple pitchers. Doesn't sound like they're going to help us right away. We'll find out more about that, and we'll talk about that here in the near future. At this time, we're going to take a, a minute and move to our, uh, well, it's that time of year, and, and you know we play put football up in the Northwest, and there's a lot of pride in the, the kind of football that is played up there uh, by the, by the, the youngest of men, uh, college players, and by the uh, professional also. Uh, let's face it, the, the Mariners have fans in Oregon. We have fans in Idaho. We have fans in, I'm sure, in Nevada. I, I mean, you have fans everywhere, but as a regional draw, you know, we would hope that we know that we have fans from Alaska. We would hope that uh, some Canadians could see through, uh, but I think they get to see the Jays most of the time. So, um Let's move to football. Let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks, even though they're not the exciting team right now. In fact, last week we talked about how they've kind of stunk since we started talking about them, and it hadn't gotten any better. Seahawks lose. Has somebody got the score for me on that? What was that, 42-35? Um, Tyler, they, they, sure look, they sure look crappy, didn't they? Well, the offense was awesome. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed, though. Yeah, I'm going to go a different direction with that. Um, I really believe that Seattle put on a hell of a performance the other night against the Cowboys. Um, Just pulling up the box score here from the game, I mean, Geno went 23 of 41, 334 yards, average of eight yards for completion, three touchdowns. Um, one interception with a QBR of 91. That's 
that's a performance that keeps you in the game on the road, especially against that vaunted Dallas Cowboys defense. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, Gino went in there and lit that ass up. Um, the rest, to me, did a good job of keeping both teams from really being able to function with needing their FaceTime um, with everybody at home checking them out with being the only game in town on Thursday. Um, you know, you guys got this guy named DK Metcalf who's just, you know, a Greek god, something to a football jersey, goes for six receptions, 134 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had a record-setting performance in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago coming out of Ohio State, showing great great trends as a rookie, seven receptions, 62 yards, uh, 8.9 yards average. And I know that there was that ball that Lockett dropped across the middle, and you can see him pounding the field when that happened. But I believe that Seattle went in there, and they did all you could. Um, Dallas is undefeated at home this year, and just the pressure that their defense was able to put on Geno and your guys' offensive line just after three three and three-fourths quarters of doing a good job of still being able to let your offense move, that pressure just got to him. And especially in the last two drives where he just had to throw the ball away with no time to be able to make a play. If I was a Seattle Seahawks fan, I'd be really impressed by that performance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right now that I think back on it, and, and Tyler, we'll find out if you agree. Uh, maybe it wasn't quite uh, what I painted it. The week before that was miserable. This week was something you can hang your hat on, uh, certainly competing with with uh, the, the, uh, the top of the NFC, maybe not the top, but uh, one of the top five teams in the NFC. Tyler, was I being unfair there at the beginning? I would say no, and nothing Robert said is wrong at all. And personally, I'm kind of happy because I don't know if, Robert, you're technically aware. There's a giant battle between Seahawks fans, whether you like Geno or not, and I think most of it's stupid. Geno is who he is. He's a great bridge quarterback. He's already 33. So you're going to be looking for the next guy, but he's played well for the most part. He's earned every penny of his contract, and I I just don't know how you expect to win when you can't get any stops. I mean, basically, it's very simple to me. If you score 35 points, you need to win the football game one way or the other. I was so happy to see DK go absolutely bananas on the national stage. He's been battling leg, ankle, ribs. He's had a bunch of injuries he's fought through this year, and maybe that's why we've seen him be a little more human than we're used to. It just stinks. You always want to beat the Cowboys. I know we have a Philly fan with us. You always want to beat the Cowboys, but... We, I mean, we talk about regression of the means so much, Eric. This team was destined to come back towards 500. I guarantee you we're not going to end up with six wins on the season, but we'll probably be pretty close to 500. Well, I mean, this schedule is pretty tough here. 
the last few weeks and the next few weeks, it's been a rough time. They must, you know, the schedule was pretty weak at the beginning, apparently. Um, you know, another Seattle team that rips your heart out halfway through. Um, we are we are looking forward to the Seahawks being successful. I'm not convinced they're going to be able to be super competitive against the Eagles and the 49ers and I don't think the Cowboys are quite in that level. You know, it, Seattle's one of those teams that never rebuilds, never. And and they never really go too far into the playoffs anymore. Is that fair to say, Robert? I think that just from the outside looking in without being a diehard Seahawks fan is I love Devin Witherspoon. I think you guys have found someone you can begin to build that secondary and your rest of your defense around and maybe create that legion of boom. <clears throat> and I still think that you guys run, won the Russell Wilson trade. You don't win that game or even put on a performance like that with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. I, and maybe I'm being too hard on, uh, on Sierra's husband. <laughs> I definitely like what you guys are making your moves to. And the 49ers today, uh, we're recording this on no, on December 3rd. The 49ers today gave my Philadelphia Eagles a good old-fashioned trip behind the woodshed and let go of all that frustration that they've been holding on to for the last 11 months and took it to them. So I know you have a game against them. And we'll see how my Eagles have rebounded because we do got Dallas and we do have that trip up to um, we do have that meeting with Seattle and see how that goes. And then our schedule kind of thins out from there. But I believe it's in front of you. And a solid performance like that should be built on and not looked upon negatively. I mean, Dallas's defensive tough. Dallas's defensive is even better at home. The Cowboys are undefeated at home, and you had to lead at halftime. Yeah, I mean, you're right about all that stuff. Um, I guess I didn't think it through. Um, I was just being a casual there thinking, geez, we've lost three or four games in a row, right, Tyler? I mean, we've seen some really crap performances before the last game. Oh, absolutely. And I want to go back. We've talked about this before, but the Seahawks won three games against backup quarterbacks to help build their record. And I also want to go on a much more macro level really quick. And that's the... So... Obviously, pro sports is a business. The Seahawks as a business, and I think it's coaches and GM's pride. Pete, John, and the Seahawks as a business, they traded Russell Wilson. They didn't want to call it a rebuild. But guess what, fellas? If you trade the best quarterback in a franchise's history, you are rebuilding, whether you want to call it that or not. It so happened that Geno Smith had a hell of a year last year and helped this team to make the playoffs last year. So in a rebuilding year, we made the playoffs. We're in a rebuilding year this year, and we're competing for the playoffs. So... It's kind of easy if a team completely bottoms out, you get the first or second pick, you can get a Nick Bosa or a Cam Newton or somebody that's just incredible. 
or there's other teams like the Seahawks right now, they're rebuilding and are actually winning games. The Russell Wilson trade, I'm on with Rupert, is I think it was critical because the team overall desperately needed a complete revamping of young talent all over the roster. They've been able to do that. We need to keep rebuilding the team next year. And I truly believe if we can find a young quarterback, we could have a similar a similar situation as when we drafted Russell Wilson in 2012. You have a young, talented roster. Drop in a young, talented quarterback and let it take off. I know Indy's with me. There's this dude, and y'all know I'm a huge Husky fan. And I'm a Pacific Northwest fan in general, but there's this dude at quarterback in Louisiana, Jaden Daniels. I'm on the train for him coming to the Seahawks, but I'm fine with everything. I mean, my expectations were maybe playoffs and that's kind of where we're at. I'm just happy that there's a young infrastructure of talent that we can build on going forward we're beating all the bad teams we're beating the average teams and the good teams are beating us and that's okay right now that's so i've changed my mind from uh being disappointed to more how robert and tyler are talking here um it was a good performance and there's no doubt about it i mean to think that it's easy to go into dallas and and be successful is not easy. Now, I will say this. I will say this about it. It is, to quote Yogi Berra, it is getting late early. There's not a lot on your schedule of games that you can have a shot to kind of knock off some of the teams that are directly in front of you. Right now, the Rams currently hold a tiebreaker over you because of head-to-head games. Um, The Green Bay Packers just got a good win on Sunday night football. So now they're sitting in front of you as well, too. Um, the Vikings are also in front of you and all of those teams hold, um, hold some playoff advantages the way that the tiebreakers run out. But, you know, there are, there's still enough games left that, you know, you just have to take care of business. And if you take care of business, you give yourself a fighting chance to get into the playoffs. Um, let's take a look here. Um, the Rams have a tough one next week with Baltimore then their schedule kind of, you know, kind of has a couple built-in layups, as I like to call it in. But then they also have to end their season with the 49ers. And the 49ers could still be battling for that number one seed by the time we get to that last game there as well, too. Um, Who else is in front of you? Uh, We mentioned Green Bay still, still in front of you based upon tonight's performance. Green Bay still has... Well, Green Green Bay might be the toughest one for you to leapfrog. They have the Giants, they have the Bucks, they have the Panthers, they have the Vikings, and they have the Bears. Um, so it's there's still some opportunities for you to get it done, especially with your, you know, you do got two big dogs coming in, but if you can smack the bully in the mouth and come across with the win, it might be able to set you up. So it's there. You're just you're just gonna have to put together a couple good games and see if you guys can sneak into that last spot. We'll be looking forward to see what happens here. Um, that's pretty much the state of affairs. Uh, Seattle Seahawks football this this week, and and normally Seahawks takes over everything, uh, but this is a baseball first podcast. And number two, the third story on our list is so exciting. 
that I want to move forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, your Washington Huskies are number three nationally rated. Is that correct? Or two? My God. Number two. Ladies and gentlemen, your Washington Huskies are number two in the nation. They'll be technically home team, I would think, at the Sugar Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is something to be really proud of. Their opponent will be... Uh, the Texas Longhorns, yes. So their opponent will be Texas Longhorns. Who follows the Longhorns? Indy, I, I forgot that uh, we wanted to have you in, in some of this football stuff. I know you you follow college ball. What do you think about the Longhorns? I think that they're, they're going to be tough. Their offense operates well. Their quarterback is a stud. Ewers, or you, I don't, Ewers, I don't really know how to say his last name properly. But that kid is a stud, and he he he. You, your offense or your defensive line is gonna have to create havoc because if you're not getting in his face and creating pressure, that kid is going to light things up. But I don't know if their defense is gonna be able to to contain all the weapons you guys have or the Huskies have on offense either so it's really it's just it's going to be a good game i think it's going to be really similar to the oregon games in my opinion would, would you have rather uh and and tyler maybe you can answer this we were looking at georgia right i mean we were looking at playing georgia one four just like last time and probably getting stonked by that sec football uh, texas is in what conference now and they just don't seem as big and mighty as the Georgia Bulldogs or Alabama, I guess, was who we played last time we were in the in the playoffs. Um, and I'll let you guys decide here. Um, number two is a pretty good spot to be. Either of you, go ahead. I personally think that when, and this is just my opinion, I value those two wins against Oregon over the one win that Michigan had against Ohio State. And Michigan had a layup in the Big Ten Championship. But the committee, <laughs> and, I, and I have my personal gripes with the committee, not only am I a Philadelphia Eagle fan, I'm also a Florida State Seminole fan, so this has just been the worst football week of my entire life this particular week. But the committee valued Michigan is number two, so they slid them into number one. And the the next best impressive wins before Alabama went in there and blew the whole thing up was the two wins that Washington had against Oregon. Both were exciting games to watch. I was glued to my TV and, and enjoying the broadcast and enjoying the game. And Washington got out to that big early lead, and the Ducks fought back, and Washington was able to hold them off and I really, I really think that Penix showed himself as, as one of the best four quarterbacks in the entire country over the course of the weekend. Um, I, I did find it a little strange. I did find it a little strange. Yeah, he, he could have. He could have. But if you look at what they have, what the oddsmakers have, is they have Jalen Daniels as the front runner for the Heisman. And I'm personally not okay with that because – 
Florida State met them in a neutral field and put up 45 points on them and kind of gave LSU the business. And Jalen Monroe went down there and gave LSU the business. Um, I, I don't know if I'm sold on Daniel for it, but, you know, and I'll, and I'll tip my cap to Bo Nix, who I thought that his college career was over with not being able to get the ball rolling at Auburn and then comes into Oregon and gets that second chance at life and just is setting things on fire. And congrats to him. But, you know, shout out to the Huskies, man, in the final season of the Pac-12, who, let's not sugarcoat it, is being dissolved purely because these TV contracts are just ridiculous nowadays. Um, and it, it's sad to see the Pac-12 go. I, I grew up in the era of, watching those great USC teams with Matt Leonard and Reggie Bush. And um, even when I was a kid, Washington getting that 91 championship. And then you got guys like Jake Plummer at Arizona State who had some good years. And, you know, the Pac-12 was, was well, it wasn't even 12 teams and they were still the Pac-10, but they, they have a good lineage. And there was a reason why Bill Walton called them the Conference of Champions and just greed and TV contracts have torn it all apart. And I thought it was a poetic ending to it that the that the team that got the ball rolling at least during my lifetime was uh, was the Huskies getting that national championship over Michigan. I found it a little weird that they the committee said that they were going to do their job in keeping the two higher seeds regionally as close to their fan bases as possible, and then when the matchups came out today. Michigan and Washington both got screwed, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, you're I'm a truck driver, so I know that that journey from Seattle down to Pasadena is two highways, the five the whole way to the grapevine, and then the 210 across to get you to Pasadena. Now everybody in the Pacific Northwest is going to have to go hang out in New Orleans, and it's a great city. It's a great city to have fun in, but... You're making both teams, yeah, you're making both teams completely, both number one and two seeds completely flip cross across the country. And I guess I do understand it a little bit just because they were trying to keep the last Rose Bowl as traditional as possible with the year that it was going to be involved with the dissolving of the Pac-12. But to me, that was even more reason to put Washington in the Rose Bowl instead of the Big Ten tie and put Michigan in it. But you're gonna have your hands full with Texas. It's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good game. I definitely think that you're equipped to be able to keep up, but there is uh but you know, if Texas does if Texas offense is not it's not gonna be a pushover. It's not gonna be a pushover. Ain't gonna be no pushover. No, none none of these games are gonna be pushovers at this point. Uh we've got the Texas Longhorns coming up. Uh very proud of these Washington Huskies. Somebody who's even a bigger fan and and probably more dedicated to uh, the Washington Huskies than I am uh, would be Tyler. Tyler, tell me about your experience or or the experience of seeing this team do what it's done. Yeah, that you hear that all the way around the Western Washington area, and to see them go what thirteen and zero. I'm I mean I had to listen to this on the radio because of my job but 
I literally had tears flowing down my cheeks just thinking about my dad, how happy he would be to see such an incredible season, and just the game in itself. UW has won three straight games versus Oregon, which is awesome because for the last two decades, Oregon has basically won every single game minus a couple and so it's just awesome to be able to finally get a little bit back at your rival. I'm looking at this game right here. The Huskies were 10 of 15 on third down. Oregon was 3 of 10. We all know those third downs are critical in any football game. How huge is that? I want to give a quick reminder. I'm sure the wise guys in Vegas are going to come out and tell us Texas should be favored, and that's fine by me. That stuff doesn't bother me at all. But the Huskies did beat Texas in the Alamo just last year. So like the wonderful Lee Corsa would say, not so fast, my friends. You know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, man. It's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Ozmakers go and play this and how the line jumps. I thought it was extremely disrespectful to have Washington as a nine and a half point underdog, especially because they won the first matchup. I thought it was off the wall that Washington was getting so disrespected. And by the end of the first quarter, it looked like we had a good old fashioned route on our hands. And, you know, Oregon did fight back to make the game competitive, but we're not going to, uh, sit here and don't think that Washington doesn't have a chance to ruin what everybody wants to see. And that's that rematch between Texas and Alabama. And yeah, I'm a Florida state fan. I have my gripes against it. Um, you know, I definitely think that Florida state got hosed. I mean, how do you go 13 and 0 in a power five conference when everything that's put in front of you beat two, two sec teams. Um, one of the wins that they were giving Alabama credit for was LSU and we beat LSU too. And to come to find out that they valued Florida State not having Jordan Travis to run the offense just as much as they did a loss that two other teams had was was shocking to me. Um, but if we're going to relate this to the world, if, if we were going to go rob a bank and the guy who I'm going to put the gun in his hand, who's a known trusted shooter, if he's not available and I got to replace him with Barney Fife, I, I'm not going to run in that bank. So the longer the day is gone, I've gotten a little more calm about the fact that they left Florida State out. Um, but yeah, Washington definitely has a chance to ruin the rematch that everyone wants to see between Alabama and Texas for the national championship. Piss on Alabama. Piss on Texas. Um <laughs> We got a real chance to win this thing, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you're sitting at number two. Your Washington Huskies are sitting at number two. This is just like during the Don James era when you're talking about playing for national championships. And uh, we we all know that college football is a crooked system. They try to shove five, you know, you, you can't shove five teams into four spots. Um, we all know that uh, name recognition, look, uh, Robert, we have been pushed out of many things uh, up here in the Northwest, so we know how that feels. 
Uh, fortunately, the Huskies didn't make a misstep the whole way. Can you believe that, guys? I mean, 13-0, and 0, uh, we, a perfect record. This is unbelievable. You know, you'd always get into week eight or week nine and always lose a game to UCLA or something like that, USC or something, and uh, they were able to clear the schedule uh, or clear win every game of the year. So tell me, guys, uh, it's kind of just kicked back for the athletes now until New Year's. Um, they get to enjoy these young men. Some, I, I mean, if you've had any experience with this age of children, or are they adults? And that's the point, is they're kind of children in some ways, and they're kind of adults in, in other ways. Um, but they'll be spending some time at a resort down in uh, down wherever the Sugar Bowl is. I hope these kids have a great time and uh, uh, enjoy themselves. And what do you think between Texas and UW? Real quick, guys, uh, Tyler. Oh, UW's taking Texas all the way. Yeah, yeah. Robert. We're not afraid of Steve Sarkeesian. I don't even know who he is. Robert. I'm only going to say this in respect to the lady who raised me, Mrs. Freddie Lee Griffin. The eyes of Texas are upon you oh, all geez. the live long day. <laughs> the oh my God, we're the Texas are upon hey, you. You yeah, cannot yeah. get away. Do not think you can okay, escape. Okay. <laughs> night I'm escaped. In the morning, I am escaped. The eyes of Texas are upon you till Gabriel blows his horn. California, I don't want you to blow. I don't want you to blow. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Indy. I've been waiting for weeks for uh, to hear that. Um a Texas, huh? Indy, you know, we, we've we got a new a new co-host this week, and I've kind of spaced having you talk a little bit on this football uh, stuff. Tell me, what's going to happen with these Huskies? I think it's going to make everybody sweat a little bit, but I think the Huskies are going to pull through. And I think they're going to have their hands full with Michigan the next game. We really won't have any... Uh, any word but ladies and gentlemen your washington huskies have a chance to be national champions they are one of the top four teams in the nation uh i'm sorry for number five but that has nothing to do with our washington huskies uh ladies and gentlemen once again it doesn't have anything to do with the washington huskies it's not because of the huskies that that happened uh you were bullied out by Alabama, apparently. So um, we all know college football's crooked. It always has been. Um, I saw this, something very interesting. And in my real life, I love a good conspiracy theory. Ron DeSantis goes after Disney. Disney owns ESPN and ABC. The capital city of Florida is Tallahassee, where Florida State is based. And a college playoff that's based and paid for 
by the powers that be in capital cities, ABC, just kept the Florida State Seminoles from making $10 million. I don't think there's a greater way to tell DeSantis to kiss your ass than keeping his undefeated college scheme out of the playoffs. Now I don't now can I prove any of that? Absolutely not. That that will be the question we'll answer uh in the off week here. We expect a lot of news coming up here, ladies and gentlemen, about the Seattle Mariners. We expect a lot of news about uh maybe some trades and stuff like that. Um who knows what's going on with college football. Uh we'll have to talk about that some more, but uh Robert, thank you for joining us here today, and we look forward to having you uh, with us all the time here. Thank you, buddy. Oh, I'm I'm happy to be here, man. Again, this is this is a dream come true. I've always wanted to do something in radio and entertainment, and the fact that Casuals Corner had a spot for me to be able to live off live up a childhood dream is just I'm through the roof. You can see me on the video chat i i've been smiling all to, the whole time that we've been on here and i um, definitely hope that we can keep that we can keep building and you know to our fan base you know there's nothing more important in this world than the people in it and an authentic podcast from four guys who just love talking sports without being paid to do so just give us a give us a listen give us a like on that yeah, on your page wherever you get your favorite podcast from and help, help push us up help push us up yeah yeah Thank you, Robert. Um, glad to have the new the uh, the new addition to the show. Um, we'll see what happens, folks. Tyler, did you want to say anything before we uh, we sign off here this week? I guess just two super quick things. Uh, Jerry Depoto and staff, Mr. Stanton, you guys have cleared payroll. Do what's right. Bring in some studs and some stars. The players and the fans deserve it. And I said this on some social media platforms, but tell your friends about us. There's a ton of people out there that are fake Mariners fans that do it just because that's what they're paid to do. If you want to talk about the Mariners or listen about the Mariners with people who really, really love this team, we're your guys. We love the Mariners. That's all. Yeah, this casuals corner show by fans for fans my name is eric morrow we got tyler matsumoto we've got robert griffin we've got our producer in nashville indy we're gonna check out on you here i hope you have a great week getting ready for the holidays ladies and gentlemen have a nice day or evening or morning goodbye <laughs>